The Holy Gospel according to John, the 11th chapter. John writes, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for day, four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, dear saints, holy ones of God, Jesus's friend, Lazarus, well, he was sick. And the word had gone out that he may not get better. People do often get sick, especially now, with what the world is facing in this time of pandemic. And most of the time we do get better, but sometimes we are told not to expect our loved ones to recover. And that is hard to take. We are not always wanting to believe that this could be true. We may even deny it. We don't like to think that anyone could be dying. And sometimes it could be sudden, but sometimes it takes a long time and waiting and watching can be even harder than the dying and the loss itself. But sooner or later, we all have to face the reality of death. From our scriptures today, Lazarus did not get better. The illness was not that long. And Lazarus died. 
Jesus knew this, not only that he was sick, but that he was going to die. When he got there, Lazarus had already been buried. Martha, well, she has lots of questions. Could she have done something to prevent his death? Could she have had Jesus there already? And could he have done something? She is angry. Why wasn't Jesus there when she needed him most? And we aren't typically any different. When someone dies, we all have questions. What could have I done different? Is there someone who could have saved this life? And at the bottom is that big question, is the why? And we have disbelief. That uncertainty and that unknown. What does this all mean? What does it mean when a life ends? Has our loved one gone to heaven? Martha, she has faith. She believes. She believes in God. She believes in life that goes beyond death. She believes in the resurrection. I know he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day, she says. Death confronts us with these big questions of life. And we ask, what does it all mean? And faith, it says that there is more than what we see. Faith says that there is life beyond this temporary life. Faith says that there will be a new life, that there will be a resurrection. When you lose a life, faith means that you look again at the God who does give life. But we still wonder. We still struggle. Our faith is tested. Is this real or is it just kind words? Jesus, he tells Martha that there is much more to faith. Faith is not just vague hope that things will get better. Jesus tells her to look at him. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even if they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, Martha, she claims this faith. Yes, I believe that you are the Christ the son of God, the one who was promised to come into this world. Now that is personal faith. All of God's promises are wrapped up in this man called Jesus. He is the son of God and he bears within himself the gift of life as God has given it. The perfect life, the holy life. He has come into the world and promised as he shares life with us and he faces death with us as well. It is Jesus Christ who has the power of life and the power to overcome death, to lead us through life and to carry us through death. Jesus, he invites the grieving Martha to put her faith in him. And Jesus invites us 
whenever we grieve to put our faith in him as well. And Mary, she doesn't hide her emotions. She expresses her grief in tears. Lots of her friends are there too. They don't know what to say, but they share in her grief. And probably you've cried too. I have. You have cried in times of grief and loss. You have cried with a deep empathy for others who have experienced the pain of death. Jesus came. He felt her grief and he felt his own grief. Lazarus had been his friend too and he felt the tragedy of losing his friend. Jesus was deeply moved in the spirit, but he was not troubled. You see, perhaps more frustrated. That's why I use the King James Version here, because the wording is specific. It says he groaned in discontent for their lack of faith, the lack of misunderstanding. You see, this was the final sign of Jesus prior to going to the cross. He felt the loss of his friend Lazarus too. Yes, he mourned, but his hope and certainty never departed from the sure gift of the resurrection. The ushering through death to life, not saving us from death itself. No. Dear saints, do you remember on Reformation Sunday, I asked you a question. What can a dead man do to bring himself back to life? And you know the answer as well as I do. And it's nothing. We are dead in our sins. Jesus came to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried. But he was not content to sit and ponder and mourn. Jesus asked them to take away the stone. He was ready to confront even the smell of death, the decay of death. And Jesus defies death and he speaks to the dead man. And in his words, his performative words is the power of life. Jesus calls Lazarus, come out. And at his word, the dead man is raised to life. Still wrapped in his grave clothes, he shuffles out. And Jesus had said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus showed his will to face death and his power to conquer death. It was the same will with which he faced his own death on the cross. It was the same power of life with which he was raised from his tomb to a life of glory beyond death. Jesus had said, all those who believe in me will live even if they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He showed his power to give life even when Lazarus had died. Death was not the end of life or the end of hope. Under the word of Jesus, Lazarus was given life once more. And under the word of Jesus, you are given a life, a life with your God. And that life is never taken away by death. And death is not the end of life. Dying becomes a gateway through which your life with Christ continues. In death, you receive a life in the glory of your God, 
Who are the saints, I ask you? The saints are the holy ones of God. When you think of the saints, think first of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the holy, sinless son of God. It is Jesus who gives his holiness to his people. The saints of God are not those who have achieved a superior life for themselves. What did Lazarus do? The saints of God are those who have been given holiness by the grace of God, gifted by Jesus Christ. The saints of God are not those who have somehow managed to live their lives without sin. No, rather the saints are those whose sins are forgiven. Where are the saints? The saints are with Jesus Christ. The saints are with Jesus Christ right here because Jesus Christ is here. And through his spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ takes our broken lives and makes them whole. He sees our sin and he forgives them. He carries us through life. He carries us through our dying. We are the saints of God, not because of who we are, No, but because we live in the grace and mercy of God. And the saints are with Jesus Christ in glory. The saints are those who have been carried through death into the fullness of the holy life in God's presence. The saints are those who live to praise and glorify God forever. We believe in the saints of God. We believe in the communion of saints. Because we believe in Jesus Christ. That is the faith that carries us when we face illness. And when we face our own dying. That is the faith that gives us hope. And it gives us confidence when we experience the death and loss of those whom we love. When we feel the loss most deeply, we come to Jesus Christ. And we find in Christ the Holy One who unites the saints on earth and the saints in heaven. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be spiritually poor speaks to all of us. Since spiritual poverty is the natural human condition that we inherited from Adam and Eve after their desire for self-rule in the Garden of Eden, we are helpless to restore what the... What the first people had undone that day, right back at the beginning. Humanity is separated from the divine, a separation that ends in death. But it was when we were all poor in spirit that our Heavenly Father opened the storehouse of heaven and He poured out all of His spiritual riches in Jesus who comes down to this earth as the source of the divine life, grace, and every blessing. Jesus came to to be the peacemaker who would make peace between the world and God by his shed of blood. It was Christ, the King of heaven, who became poor for you. He took upon himself the spiritual poverty and the impurity of of humanity. And he gave the world a gift more precious than any earthly sum. He who had no sin became sin for us 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We who are spiritually bankrupt have gone to be spiritually wealthy. For in the person of Christ, the kingdom of heaven has come to you personally. When he baptized you into his death and his resurrection and gathered you into this church, the communion of all the saints. Our instinctive human way of thinking, it tends to understand sainthood and holiness as something earned and worked towards by moral striving or disciplined devoutness resulting in God's blessings and his favor. But once again, what did Lazarus do? Nothing. But it was when we couldn't clean ourselves up in his sight that God our Father poured out the Holy Spirit through Jesus so that in the waters of baptism, God himself washed you clean and made you holy. He gave you new birth and new hope, a new heart to beat with a beat of faith. He continues to wash you and make you holy through his absolving of us each and every Sunday. Through his word, he sends his spirit to continually make us holy in his truth and strengthen us in his faith. It is only because God has first blessed us by giving us new hearts that we can even know that we need him to give us a new heart. Just as King David wrote, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. The new heart that God has given us recognizes that we are poor in spirit. It should mourn over our spiritual poverty and repent over sin. It should hunger and thirst for righteousness. All of this is so that God will then bless us. But Jesus is teaching us that this way of life, this way of life can only be because God has already first blessed us. For those with new hearts of faith, Jesus gives you his own precious promises. In 1530, Martin Luther wrote this. We are all saints. And cursed is he who does not want to call himself a saint. You do owe this not to yourself, but to the will of God. Who would be your father? To call yourself a saint is therefore no presumption, but an act of gratitude and a confession of God's blessings. The Son of God who died and rose again takes away the sin of the world with his holy and precious blood. Our living Lord has set a place for you at his table in the heavenly sanctuary. Mirrored here in this sanctuary, in this church, the one who holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven has not just left the door unbolted, but has completely removed that door for you. God proclaims this to you, that he will never abandon you. No matter what you face in this life, even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he will walk with you, he will comfort you, and he will bring you peace. And that is why today, as we remember our brothers and sisters of the Christian faith who have gone before us, 
those persecuted for their faith and who died for it, as well as our loved ones for who we grieve. We do not participate in a feast of the dead. No, but the feast of the living, hosted by the living Savior, Jesus the Christ. We can therefore grieve not as those who have no hope, but those who have sure hope and can confidently confess that we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life for the world to come. Holy ones of God, you don't move from life to death, but from death to life. You are dead in your sins, but we are called out through the tomb. As Jesus called out his friend, he will call you out as well. His friend, come out and live. Stand firm in this faith. For then you will see your loved ones in the faith who have gone before us. And you will see the prophets who were martyred and the apostles who were persecuted and all of God's holy people now free from their suffering. And you will see the angels who rejoice with us. But best of all, you will see God forever and ever. And may this give you peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.